I am under tech attack. We're good. Okay. All right. Thank you, Wayne, for offering. Yeah, it seems like every time I turn around, there's something technical that uh, is malfunctioning for me. And I, again, I think I'm under some sort of technical attack. Anyway, so good to have everyone here this morning. I want to welcome all of our visitors and guests, those of you who are joining us for the first time, our regular members. It's always great to see you. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us live online as well. We're just so glad to have you a part of our worship. All right, well, I want to begin with a question this morning. How many of you did your homework from last week? Oh, this is great. This is great. Don't pan, don't pan out. I don't want anybody else to see that. Hopefully somebody online did their, their homework and took something off of their someday list and did something that they needed to do immediately as of last week. And, and so, you know, we just need to keep that at the forefront of our mind because this is a journey that we're all on. Right, and, and our life is to be lived for the Lord, and we want to make the most of the opportunities that we have to be able to do that. Because as I shared with you in our first lesson, as you look at all the metaphors in the Bible that describe our life, what we learn is that our life is really, really short. Right? I mean, just look at a couple of these passages that describe our life. James chapter 4, verse 14. What is your life? You are but a, what church? A mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. Also, Psalm 102, verse 11. My days are like the evening, what church? Shadow, yeah. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. People are like, what? Grass. Their beauty is like a, what? A flower in the field, and, and what happens to the grass? What happens to the flowers? They fade, right? That's how we're described. Um, Psalm 144, verse 4, For we are like a what? A breath of air, because our days are like a passing shadow. And, and so the Bible uses all of these different metaphors, right? Whether it's breath or shadow or mist or vapor to describe our lives. And the way it describes our life is short. And so as I said last week, man, we've got to make the most of what we have in this life. Because as I said last week, right, we, we don't have anything to say or do with our start date, right, our birth date. And we have very little to do with our end date. But what we do get to control, what we do get to decide on how we use it is what's in between. Right? The, the time that we have here on earth. And because the Bible says that that time is brief, the Bible says that we need to number our days. We need to count our days so that our days count. Right? And, and so that's what we learned from Moses last week. Well, today we're going to be looking at Solomon. Solomon is the reason why we had the book of Ecclesiastes. And you can go ahead and be turning there in your Bible. He is the author. And as we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, as he shares with us some of his thoughts, we see that 
really Solomon learned some things about life, and I think that there are some things that he passes on to us that we need to learn as well. But before we dive into this, let me say this about Solomon. At some point in Solomon's life, Solomon left a very close relationship with the Lord. He basically became what we would call a secularist, right? And, and he uses this phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes over and over and over again, which is under the sun, which he uses that phrase to really talk about the physical world in which we live. Not, not the spiritual world, but, but the physical world. Everything that is under the sun, and here's the deal, he starts to live life only from that perspective. In other words, he only sees the created, not the creator. And so what happens is over time, he begins to wrestle with life's problems Okay, and, and try to imagine this, and, and maybe some of you can even relate to this, but he starts wrestling with life's problems only from a physical perspective, an earthly perspective, and he gets to the point to where he is overwhelmed with this one truth, and that is eventually everyone dies. Right? Aren't you glad you came to Central? today. In fact, he, he comes to the conclusion that nothing lasts. And, and he also comes to the conclusion that nothing and no one even, after they have passed, will be remembered. Right? And, and I'm sure that most of us, we can, we can relate to this because let me ask you, how many of you know the name of your great, great, great grandfather? Raise your hand. How many of you, well, I won't ask that question, but um, I, I'm sure that a lot of you went to college, right? And as you were walking around, that college campus, you probably saw names on several of the buildings. But how many of you gave thoughts, gave thought to those names and who those people were? How many of you really cared? Right? And, and so that's the point that Solomon is trying to make. Listen, nothing lasts. And even those who pass from this life, he says, they won't be remembered. It doesn't matter who you are. In fact, just look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 16. He says, for the wise and the foolish, both white church, die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be white church, both will be forgotten. Then he goes on in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 2 through 3. He says, The same de destiny awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonial clean or unclean, right, uh, religious or irreligious. Good people receive the same treatment as sinners, and people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that every, everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. 
Already twisted by pe evil, people choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but white church, but death anyway. Now, a lot of people look at Solomon as being a pessimist. Some look at Solomon as being a realist. But either way you look at this, really, here's, here's the problem for Solomon. He has no answer that will pass the death test. Right? It's something that happens to, to all of us. Every single one of us is going to, to pass away and, and die. And in fact, another word that Solomon uses over and over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes, depending on what your translation is, is vanity or meaningless. He says, that's life in a nutshell. He says, I've come to realize that life is just vanity. It's, it's just meaningless. And that word's kind of an interesting word in the Hebrew. It's habel, and it literally means mist, vapor, or breath. Throughout the Bible, it's used metaphorically. For example, we looked at one uh, such example a few minutes ago, Psalm chapter 144, verse 4, For we are like Habel, a breath of air. And this, this metaphor is used throughout Scripture, but here, here's the deal. No one used it more than Solomon. And he used it metaphorically to show that ultimately death mocks the notion that created things are going to last and that they will bring continual satisfaction. In fact, as he talks about created things and all the different things that he tried under the sun, he said it was really like chasing the wind. Solomon said it just really didn't get me anywhere. And, and if that's what we're doing, if we're trying to find meaning in this life by chasing created things, Solomon says, look, he says, take it from someone who knows, who tried everything you can imagine, that it is all meaningless. And you're mismanaging your life. Solomon talks about several mistakes that people often make when it comes to life. And I want to share a couple of these with you this morning. First of all, there are those who just kind of throw up their hands and say, well, well what's the point? Solomon says in chapter 7, verse 15, he says, I've seen everything in this meaningless life, including the death of good young people in the long life wicked people. You ever notice that? One of the hardest funerals that I ever did was for a teenage girl. I was telling Precious about this last week. She was a new Christian. So sweet. So kind. Her family was precious as well. She was in a car wreck. And, and man, it was just, it was, it was terrible. I mean, I don't care how long you go to school, how many books you read. There aren't words good enough. You, you know what I'm, what I'm saying to, to really help. 
in a situation like that. I mean, it was absolutely devastating. Solomon goes on to say in chapter 8, verse 14, he says, and, and this is not all that's meaningless in our world in this life. Good people are often treated as though they were wicked, and wicked people are often treated as though they were good. He says this is so meaningless, and, and this is probably something you guys have witnessed as well, where you have a, a family that's just so sweet and kind and loving, and it just seems like that they are constantly dealing with all kinds of terrible circumstances circumstances, right? I mean, they've got all these burdens, and then you've got this old grump over here who's very critical and always complaining, and yet they're living with all these blessings up into their 90s, right? And it's like, what in the world? And I think this is one of the reasons why we have the book of Ecclesiastes is because God knows that we wrestle with this at times. We kind of wrestle with the absurdity of, of life. God knows that the honest heart, you know, gets, gets to the point at times to where that's, that's what we do. We just kind of throw up our, our hands and, and it's like, what, what's the point? What's the point of living for you? What's the point of, of doing what's right? Because it seems like oftentimes we get the worse end of the stick. And so people often say, what's, what's the point? And there are those who can say, well, here's the point. You can find meaning in life if you'll just earn enough, if you'll just make enough money, if you'll just get enough degrees, if you'll just move up the corporate ladder, if you just get a bigger house in, in, a, in a bigger car, listen, man, you, you can have an awesome life. You can find meaning for your life. And Solomon says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, I've been down all those roads, and I can tell you they're all dead-end streets. doesn't matter how much money you make. It, it doesn't matter if you have more wisdom than anyone else. You can give in to whatever pleasure that you desire. But Solomon says, at the end of the day, he says, it's all mist. It's vapor. And he says, you, you can't build a life on that, right? And, and so it gets to the point as you're reading the book of Ecclesiastes that, that Solomon is just like, I, I came to the point to where I hated life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. It just seems meaningless, like chasing the wind. In other words, every road that Solomon went down had a dead end. Because here's the deal, I mean, what does it matter how you play the hand that you've been dealt if death holds the trump card ultimately anyway, right? Let me ask you a question. How many of you remember when you faced the reality of your mortality for the first time? I was like 11 years old. I mean, up until that point, I, I felt just like I would never die. But 11 years old, my mom and dad, they went on a cruise. And they left my siblings and myself with my grandparents. And I started developing a cough. And I mean, I was coughing, 
coughing, coughing. And, and by that afternoon, my brother and sister were like, hey, let's go outside and play kickball. And, and some of the, the kids in my grandparents' neighborhood, they came over. We're out there playing. I'm coughing, coughing, coughing. Finally, it was my time to kick the ball. I ran up. I kicked. And as I was running to first base, I started going, <laughs> I couldn't breathe. Started wheezing. My, my throat was closing in from all the coughing I was doing. So I rounded first base and I ran right into to my grandparents' house. And I'm, I'm screaming. I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And my, my grandparents said, get me in the car. They rushed me to the emergency room. And, and I get into the emergency room and there's my family doctor, Dr. Kerr. He also uh, went to church with us. And he loved to tell this story about me. But I was laying there on the bed. He had oxygen on my, my mouth. And I looked up at him and I said, Dr. Kerr, I said, am I going to die? And he laughed and he said, Slade, he says, I've never known of anyone dying from the croup. He said, that's what you have as a croup. And he said, you just start coughing so much. Your airwaves just started closing in. So he said, we're going to keep you in an oxygen tent. You're going to be fine. Don't, don't worry about it. But I'll, I'll never forget that. It's like, man, I, I could die, right? That, that started to cross my mind. And, and, you know, there are two ways that we can kind of go through life looking at death. Right? There's, there's the cynical way where it's like, who cares? What's the point? We're all going to die anyway. Or Solomon says, and, and this is kind of an unexpected turn that he takes here, but Solomon says there's another way to look at life, and that is to be pro-life. I mean, since we're going to die anyway, Solomon says we ought to do all the living we can, Right? Solomon say, since we can't add years to our lives, we might as well add life to our years. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 12, he says, So I, I concluded there is nothing better than to be white church, happy, and to what? Enjoy ourselves as long as we can. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 15, so I recommended having what? Fun. Now, I, I hope I don't have to define that word fun. I'm afraid for some of you I might have to do that. But he says, I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people to do in this world than to eat, drink, and to what? Enjoy life. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 7, he says, so go ahead, eat your food with what? Joy. And drink your grape juice with what? A happy heart, right? He says, for God, what? God approves of this. God approves of this. In other words, what Solomon is saying, look, tell a joke every now and then. Have a nice meal and enjoy it. Travel, get a hobby, play an instrument. Eat some chocolate. For crying out loud, have some Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Right? I mean, that's the best. 
Listen, if the atheists can argue the problem of pain and suffering, and believe, believe you me, they do. They say if, if there is a good God, then why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? But here's the deal. If the atheists can argue, that the prob, argue the problem of pain and suffering, the Christians should be able to argue the problem of pleasure and joy, Right? I mean, we, we should just, just think about that. Think about how good God is to us. How do you explain all the needless joy and pleasure that God has blessed us with in this world? Think about all the colors we have. Do you realize God didn't have to do that? He could have made everything black and white or gray. But instead, what do we have? We have rainbows. We have mountain peaks. We have oceans. We have beautiful, colorful flowers. We have sunsets. Think about our food. God could have made our food bland. God could have made food just as a way of refueling the body. But instead He gave us taste buds to where we, we get to taste Thousands of, of different tastes that are just so awesome. One of my, my favorite movies is Ratatouille and that part, man, where, you know, he's got the grape and he's got the cheese and he's, you know, taking a bite of this and taking a bite of, uh, bite of that. And he's like, oh, and I'm, I'm like, brother, I feel you. I feel you. God is so good, isn't he? And I think about the intimacy between a husband and a wife. You know, God didn't have to make that pleasurable. He could have just made it as a means of reproduction. Right? But you read the, the Song of Solomon and, and God gave us intimacy between a husband and a wife for, for pleasure. I mean, I don't know how many of you know this, but the female praying mantis, when she mates with a male praying mantis, do you know what happens after they mate? The female eats the man. Are, are you with me? I think that would take some of the joy out of it. Right? Guys, we are so blessed. God didn't have to do that. But here's what Solomon is saying. Life is hard. Live anyway. Back in 1993, the Los Angeles Times records this story about a guy by the name of S.L. Potter on his 100th birthday. He decides he is going bungee jumping. Now his kids, who are ages 68 to 74, they are trying to highly discourage him from doing this. And he says, no, I'm going. It's my birthday. So he climbs a 210-foot tower and he bungee jumps successfully. And after he gets off, you know what his first words were? Somebody give me back my teeth. Isn't that awesome? Listen, the world needs a witness of people who are fully alive. But to be fully alive, we need a take, an understanding that death cannot rob us of. And this is where ultimately Solomon disappoints, but where Paul really gives us some wisdom. 
about, about living. Look at Philippians chapter 1. And, and I've shared this with you guys before Paul wrote the book of Philippians from, from prison. And he wasn't sure if this was the end or, or if he was going to continue to live on. But notice what he says. He says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I watch church, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for who church? For Christ and dying is even better because Paul is saying, I get to go and I get to be with Christ. In other words, Paul had a life purpose that could not be lost even if he died. Because you see, his life consisted of exalting and glorifying Christ. And, and here's the deal. If we are living for Christ, if, if our goal, right, if our aim is to honor and glorify Christ, then here's the deal. It doesn't matter how long or how short our time is, we're going to hit the target. Right? But you know, going back to Solomon as you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it seemed like the things that he talked about was really more of a focus on himself. Not God, not Christ, but, but more of a focus on himself. And, and here's the deal. As long as life is just about you and me, listen, we're going we're gonna to stay frustrated. But when we live for Christ, let me tell you something, our life will not be wasted. Let me leave you with this today. And this may be one of the most important things that I say. If you have a pulse... You have a purpose. And nothing can frustrate that purpose as a Christian. Because here's the deal. You have a Savior who died on a cross. And He rose from the grave. And through that, he turned a dead-end life into a highway of life. In fact, in the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, some of the very last words of Paul, this is what he writes, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that, why church? Nothing you do for the Lord will ever be what? will ever be useless. Jesus says, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, it matters and it will matter forever. But I want to encourage you with that thought. Listen, death no longer holds the trump card. It has been defeated by the one who is above the sun. And so that means that anything we do in this life for the Lord will matter. And it will last for all eternity. 
But again, I want to remind you to make the most of this life. Live. Live. Because we have the greatest reason of all to live. And that's Jesus. And the question is this morning, have you given your life to Jesus? We, we read a passage this morning about, and these are the words of David, uh, about how he thirsts, right, for, for the Lord, to, to be with the Lord, to, to be in His presence. Do, do we have that thirst for Jesus? Or has our thirst been more about the things of this earth created? Because honestly, if we're frustrated with our lives, it's probably one of two problems. Either we're focused on the wrong thing, meaning just the things of this earth, or maybe we're focused on the right thing, we're focused on Christ, but, but we're going about it in the wrong way because we're still chasing after all these created, created things, hoping that these things are going to satisfy us. And so it may be that if we're frustrated with life, we need to make a change. We need to change what we're chasing. We need to change that to chasing, to having a desire for God. And that will bring ultimate fulfillment. And so this morning, if you need to respond for any reason, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, putting on Christ in baptism, having all your sins washed away, Acts 22, verse 16, Acts 2, verse 38, if you just want to know more about Jesus you want to have a deeper study about Jesus and how you can have a, a, a deeper relationship with Jesus, listen, I would love to talk to you about that. Or, or maybe there's something this morning that you need prayers about. Maybe, maybe you need prayers to, to have that heart for the Lord, to really seek Him out and to have that peace, right, and that, that joy and that way of living for Him. But whatever the case may be, if you need to respond for any reason... Won't you come as together we stand and sing?